Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Food About Town podcast. Not quite 100, but I'm still happy that we got to 10. Big milestone. Um, in this episode, I talked to uh, Dean Sparks and Andrew Lederman from Hart's Local Grocers. Uh, it's a new grocery store opening up in the East End this spring. And we talked a little bit about the grocery store, what their goals are, their focus on local foods, and you know a couple little hints about what they may be doing in prepared foods. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And I'm doing another interview, I think, this week. So plan on seeing another episode in a week or two. Thanks for tuning in. Founding members of uh, Hearts Local Grocers. I think I got that right, right? Yes. I always want to call it Hearts Grocery Store, but it doesn't sound quite as good that way. Um, and it's uh, Dean Sparks, who's the general manager, and Andrew Lederman, not Letterman, I heard that. Uh, you're the culinary director. Yeah. So uh, thanks for sitting down, guys. I appreciate it. Sure. I'm sure you're quite busy with the early. Not really early stages for you guys, but early stages for the public uh, unveiling of the store. It has been a very busy couple of weeks since we made our announcement. Yes, um, the press conference uh, kicked off about two, a little over two weeks ago, and it has been a tremendous outpouring um, uh, by the public. Uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of overwhelming you know, support for an urban grocery store in downtown, and we're anxious and excited to get open in May and welcome people in. So is that the official opening now, is May? May 2014 for sure. Um, you know, we're, we're at, um, at the mercy of the construction schedule. Of um, course, aren't we all? Yes, <laughs> yes, and the contractors, but um, we're certainly ready. This is a project that is two years in the making. Glenn Kellogg, who was the... The visionary behind the project started looking at this two years ago, and I joined him about uh, 14 months ago or so, and uh, Andy's been on for probably close to a year now. Wow. Um, the planning stages have been uh, extensive, and uh, we think that, you know, we feel really confident about um, the product mix that we're going to offer, and we're just anxious to get in the building and get our equipment in and get the the vendors to come and bring us amazing food and then open our doors to the public sometime this summer. Well, I can imagine. I mean, after that much planning, it has to be nerve-wracking, exciting, um, especially all the deals that are going on. I saw the some of the first ones being announced recently with, was it uh, Flower City Pasta, which, you know, it's, it's great to see all the names you know getting involved with the with the store. Yeah, we, um, every Monday now, we'll make an announcement about another partnership uh, every week for the next 16 weeks or so up to opening day. 
uh, with another local vendor, and then we're going to have contests every Monday. We'll announce a new a new partnership, and then on Friday on Facebook we'll we'll draw a winner, and that winner will get you know a gift package of products from that particular local vendor. So the first announcement we made this week was for Flower City Pasta, uh -huh. and I think on Friday, yeah, Friday will be our drawing to see who gets um, a, a big gift pack, not not only from Hearts, because we're going to throw a Hearts t-shirt in, um, but also a bunch of products from, from John over at Flower City. That's a great and, idea. And we're, you know, every week, every Monday, uh, you'll be able to check our Facebook page and our Twitter feed and be able to, to join in on that contest and... Um, so uh, more announcements, obviously, every week will be coming about more partnerships that we're, we're getting involved in. in the community. Well, it's a great idea, and that's one of the things I was impressed with right away was you guys were very interactive right away on Facebook and Twitter and responding and really engaging with the community. And uh, I saw a ton of responses when you're asking for who do you want in the store, you know, what kind of things are you excited about, and uh, really did seem like the public reacted quickly. They did, and it's great because it's a community grocery store, right? It's your store, so we have a real interest in uh, in communicating and engaging uh, the consumers right away, well before we even open the store. And you'll see that we're eventually you'll, in the in the coming weeks. We look at we're going to look at having some focus group opportunities for people to really get a sense of what um, people who want to come to Hearts and shop what exactly it is they're looking. And we feel like there's a lot of really amazing things happening in the city of Rochester right now. There's a lot of amazing bakeries, a lot of amazing coffee roasters, a lot of amazing small farms doing amazing sure. things. We don't want to come uh, into downtown and recreate the wheel. That's not our goal. Our goal is to kind of embrace and engage, you know, the, the brands that already exist, the ones that you're used to seeing, and giving them an opportunity in our store highlight that brand and give them another platform to sell their products. So. Yeah, and that's, it's a very exciting opportunity because, you know, I go to all the markets. Not everybody goes to all the, you know, the farmer's markets to see these places. Some of the smaller farms uh, meet places that aren't anywhere else other than the farms. And it's, um, it's, it's an exciting opportunity. I'm really uh, interested to see what turns out over the next few weeks. So can you give me a quick overview of what the really what the grocery store is about, you said local community, but uh, what's the overall intent? Well, we think there's a need, right? Um, we, as, as downtown continues to progress and continues to, to kind of repopulate and we start to see, you know, a lot more residential opportunities now in the downtown area and uh, more retail, more restaurants, more things that are amazing that are coming into the city. Um, we felt like one of the things that was missing was a really good urban grocery store. And um, <clears throat> we've done a lot of work and a lot of study of other cities that are similar, that are progressive and smart and have population densities that support these kind of projects. And we thought that Rochester was really ripe for, you know, a 20,000 or so square foot retail space where people could come and buy really healthy, fresh ingredients that emphasizes local sustainable food and at the same time do it on a budget and um, and be able to help incubate a lot of other really amazing, you know, food, food, little food destinations that are happening all over the city. And to put all those under one roof, have the, you know, the ability to come in and, and kind of have a farmer's market kind of experience, but also, you know, be able to, to, um, to be able to fulfill in a full service way, 
um, your grocery list. So we're not going to be a 7-Eleven. We're not a bodega <laughs> size. Right. We don't think that you have to have 100,000 square feet to be a, a suitable grocer. We feel like we can do it in a 20,000 foot environment. You can yeah. get everything that you need. Yeah, and there's a couple cute little places doing some local stuff, but it's not full service. It's not everything under one roof. It's not meat and produce and everything in one place. Um, which, for me, it's I've seen them in other cities, and I saw one of the comparables that you had on there was a city like Portland, which makes a lot of sense because that's I've always considered us that's kind of our potential in our in Rochester is to be a Portland like city. It's a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool things here, and it's uh, getting it helps when people have a vision of engaging some of the cool local things that are happening. Right. I mean, New Seasons started ten years ago. They have thirteen locations now in Portland. And they're growing. They're putting. They're putting in new stores all the time. And we feel like Rochester might not be ready for 17 of these. <laughs> uh, but looking at what Hearts did originally in the 30s and 40s, and kind of we published that map uh, recently that they had 140 locations inside the city of Rochester. Yeah, I saw that. It was really astonishing to see how many stores there were. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you know the city's ripe for this. And and we're you know we'd love to look at other locations and continue to grow. We want to get this one up and running. And, and, sure. and make it successful, but we certainly have uh, intentions of, you know, if it does well, of looking at other places. So. That's awesome. So you, you mentioned the, you mentioned Hearts, and it's a legacy name in Rochester. I didn't know about it until you guys popped up and did some reading. Um, how did you guys end up using that name and, you know, engaging with a historical part of Rochester? Well, we knew, you know, we did a lot of homework, obviously, and and Alfred and Leo Hartz were brothers back in the 20s and 30s, and Hartz was a very popular name uh, back in that time, and he was very successful. He was kind of the first one in the United States to go past the, the little house on the prairie kind of mercantile environment where you would walk up to a counter and ask for two pounds of flour and a pound of right, sugar. Right, right. He was the first one in the United States to say, I'm not going to do that for you, and he put the food out on the floor and gave you a cart. He was the first one to ever do that. Kind of revolutionized the grocery industry. In it's a really interesting. And he's written, he'd written a couple of books that we read, and you know we were just really enamored at the history, and we talked to the Hearts family and um, wanted to resurrect the brand, and um, the outpouring actually from the descendants of, of Alfred, that there's still a lot of descendants in the city, uh, has been overwhelming, and you know we were just honored and kind of humbled to be able to bring back a big part of Rochester history to people that are younger that didn't even know that they existed, and we hear right. it a lot, and and it, you kind of have to be over you know 60 to have any real recollection of what Hearts was like. Right. And we've heard from some people that are that are older that you know sacked groceries there was their first job when they were in high school. And, you know, just the, the outpouring of support and, you know, the personal stories that they've shared with us. And we've had people come with the original Hearts Wagons. Hearts Wagons were big. Yeah, I saw that. It's also a stunning little thing to have on a website or have in the store. It's, it really evokes that community aspect of the thing because you see a wagon, you, you think family right away. It's, you can't think of anything else. Sure, yeah. And they used to deliver groceries to your house from those 140 stores and wagons. Yeah. So Hearts Wagons were all over the place. And uh, to still have people have those and they're bringing them to us and loaning them to us to display in the store when we open in May, it's really exciting. And, and just, you know, all the, the interesting pieces of, of Rochester history that we're able to bring back has just been 
been overwhelming and just really, really fulfilling. You know, it makes makes it so much fun to get up and go to work every day. Well, sure. So, not to ignore Andrew over here. Um, <laughs> so, one of the things I was thinking about was prepared foods. Sure. And you know, if you're you got a lot of raw goods, you know, produce, meat, whatever else. Um, what what's the intent with prepared foods? I know we have you know some places that do prepared foods in grocery stores, but some of us are looking for little, you know, little higher end stuff. And what, what's the what's the vision for uh, for that in the store? Well, for anyone who likes to cook and you know, enjoys uh, working with food, it's it's an ideal situation to be in. Oh sure. You know, I'm going to have uh, an abundance of products, most of them being locally sourced products. And uh, the theme we're gonna we're gonna go with is we're gonna try and go with that 1930s, 40s Americana kind of feel. Um, which is kind of the comfort food realm. Sure. Um, as well as, you know, focusing heavily on um, healthy, health-conscious diets. So the prepared foods area will have, um, you know, you'll have some wholesome comfort foods. You'll have an array of salads. Um, you know, not all of them will be 1930s, 40s, because well, sure. what we're eating now wasn't, wasn't so prominent back then. You say tastes have slightly changed since the 30s, 40s. Exactly. Didn't use a lot of arugula and microgreens back then. Sure. But it's going to be clean food. <laughs> sure. You know, I think that's key and that's important. And it's going to be natural ingredients and um, natural flavors incorporated throughout. So I'm really excited about it. Nice. Yeah. So what, what other things do you have in mind? Now you, you're talking about, you know, the salads. Are you going to look at stuff like sandwiches, look at other prepared stuff like that? Because it's surprisingly difficult to find a decent sandwich to go in the city or even in the areas. You know, we have the traditional sub shops and Debellas and all that stuff, but getting an actual good sandwich is surprisingly difficult to do. Yeah, we are definitely going to have a sandwich shop um, in the store. Um, that's going to be one of our focuses. And, you know, I really don't want to reveal too much right now. Oh, that's fine. But it's gonna, they're going to be good. Good. They're going to be different. Awesome. They're not going to be your... Uh, Long type sandwiches, your six or eight inch nice. filled breads. Um, you know, we're going to offer some some good different things. We're going to offer vegetarian sandwiches. We're going to have some vegan um, breads in house. Nice. Um, we accommodate those diets as well. So yeah, it's going to be fun. It'll be really cool. Yeah, it's um, those are the kind of things that really pique my interest because you know I've you know the big the big name obviously is Whiteman's around town. I know it's. I know it's shocking. Nobody's ever heard of them before. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, they're so ubiquitous. It's such, it's such a dominant name in Rochester that when I, when I saw this, I'm hoping for different. I'm hoping for new. I'm hoping for interesting stuff. And that's what it sounds like you guys are really focusing on is being that differentiator beyond that, whether it's focusing more on the local, focusing more on, you know, you can source a little bit better. You can focus on the individual things a little bit better. Right. As an independent, you know, we're a one store. So we have all kinds of creativity available to us. We're not locked to a corporate culture. We're not dictated to as far as what we make and how we make it. Um, does that present challenges? Sure it does. But I think oh, sure. it also unleashes a significant amount of creativity and flexibility to listen to our customer base and really work with them directly. And I think you've seen that we've engaged our customers, you know, before, well before we even open to say, hey, what are you looking for? What is it you're <coughs> expecting? And we have 
certainly a train um, that we're kind of pushing down the track. And, oh, of course. And we have a sense of what, what we want that shopping experience to be. But it's always helpful when you can get a lot of input from who will eventually be our customers to say, you know, what, what do you like to see? And so, again, you know, the opportunity to engage with people directly on Twitter and Facebook has been huge. And having some, some really good focus group meetings and really spending some time with foodies in the city and people that we expect to come and shop there to ask really direct questions about what they are hoping to see and then doing what we can to, to, to go beyond, I think, what the expectation level is 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 all it's all we're about. So that's that's what we that's what we do. That's we're living and eating this stuff. Well, that's very cool. So going into briefly into both your backgrounds, I always find that interesting. Um, I did read the bios on the website, so I'm not pulling out of my own research. Um, <laughs> uh, so the interesting thing I saw for you, Andrew, was um, Andrew Andy. Do you care? No. All right. Perfect. Um, I saw you worked for a cruise company, which usually you see cruises, you're like, oh, cruises. Mm -hmm. But I saw long stays in Mexico and Alaska, which are two fascinating places for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I worked for a company called Lindblad Expeditions, which is based out of Seattle. And I spent uh, four winters um, cruising around the Baja Peninsula in mm -hmm. Mexico. And um, I think I did five summers in southeast Alaska. Wow. So, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Um, in Mexico, actually, um, we, it's a small boat, um, 160, 170 foot. Um, their expedition travels, so they're not the, you know, there's only two two floors to the boat. Right, not 5,000 people yeah, on the ship. we're talking uh, 125 people. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Uh, small crew and everything and small galley, which made it a little challenging at times, but... Um, you know, in Mexico, I was able to we pull up in ports, and I would just I I'd, eventually after I established relationships, I would have local farmers come right there with whatever they had, and I was able to buy from them right off the right off the dock. That's and awesome. Incorporate their food <clears throat> in the menus. Same thing in Alaska with the fish, obviously. Right. Um, you know, incredible quality. Um, you're just pulling up to. Shops and literally their little shops mm -hmm. in some of the fishing towns in Alaska and just getting fish that was, you know, less than a day old was just a great experience. Oh, absolutely. And that's, those, the reason those names pop for me is I'm, I'm obsessed with Mexican food. Mm -hmm. And not Mexican-American, not Tex-Mex, I'm obsessed sure. with Mexican food. Yeah, the real street meat. Yeah, and that's exactly what I like. Yeah. You know, I, I love a good sit-down. You know, mm -hmm. a nice sit-down Mexican's all well and good, but... One of my favorite things, you know, a perfect little taco, you know, seasoned right, and you cook the meat properly. It's just that little attention to detail. It's not that hard to cook carnitas properly, yeah. and it's not that hard to, you know, sear off the corn tortilla before you serve it. Sure. It's those little attentions to detail that drive me crazy mm -hmm. when I go somewhere, and it's, I just see Mexico, real Mexico, and Baja is such a unique place, mm -hmm. you know, with the fish, with the... It's a really diverse place. I mean, that's where fish tacos came from, is Baja. Yep. And how diverse the cuisine is, it's just, it's interesting to see that. Yeah. Especially real Mexico. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I'd imagine. My folks live in Guadalajara, and I visit a lot. They've been down there 20 years. They retired and moved down there. And, and just, I wake up drooling over that pizza sometimes. Oh, yeah. The coffee's the 
guy. These guys would come up uh, up near my folks' place on the street, and they had uh, like a 15-gallon cement mixer in the back of their truck, and they and propane, and they would just hop out and then set up a roaster right there, and they'd <laughs> beans, right on the and street, and they get it rolling, and they get the heat going to it, and you hear them cracking. And you could just buy hot, you know, warm beans right out of the right out of the roaster. Right That's so the cool. And just you know, incredible food there. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it, it's one of those things you you. That's why I've loved the food truck thing here so much because it's it really embraces a lot of those street food tendencies while you can get attention to detail. Because those places aren't fancy, but they're really good. Sometimes you don't have to be fancy to be really good. That's why people love the comfort foods, and people love a great sandwich, because it's it's simple, but when it's done right, it's beyond almost anything else you can have, personally. Very well put. <laughs> so the other cool thing I saw was uh, yours, Dean, was you'd worked in farming, and you even worked for, you were providing to uh, one of the big places in New York was uh, Italy, which... I haven't been there yet, but I've, you can only hear amazing things about that place. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's a food destination for sure. <clears throat> and I kind of draw on a lot of inspiration, not only having been an organic farmer for 15 years, but also done a lot of retail work and uh, worked in a lot of grocery environments and retail environments about, around food. And I was involved in getting Italy, you know, helping them get set up for their dairy needs and their egg needs for the fresh pasta and they use the milk that we provided for all their um, gelateria needs and mm -hmm. you know, just had a really amazing time working with that group to get that project up and running and you know obviously it's a remarkable success and it's being oh, yeah. all over the country and you know we hope to bring some of that feel inside of hearts to oh, sure. that, that better connection and bigger connection to food I think for city people, for in an urban environment, there's a disconnect, obviously, from where our food comes from. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is connecting people back to their food supply. And how we do that, we do that through a lot of different ways, right? We do it through messaging, we do it through right. education, we do it through, you know, conversations, we do it through our social media sites, we do it through our website, we talk about, hey, you know, we're going to contract with a farmer, we're working with a farmer now, we expect a contract with that's going to do grow all of our potatoes mm -hmm. for both the retail side and as a side for some potato chips that we're talking about doing for our sandwich bar. It was perfect. And the idea of showing city dwellers, hey, look, you know, this is a really cool thing, and this is the farmer we're using, and this is his family, and this is where his land is, and he's going to grow these amazing potatoes for us. And then you come to Hearts, and you get a sandwich, and you get to eat those amazing potato chips, and you kind of have at least, you know, by default, a relationship with the farmer who grew them. And so putting a face to your food, I think, is really important. <clears throat> and getting people an understanding of what, what it takes, what goes into, you know, making an amazing meal is yeah. something that we're really passionate about. So I think you'll see a lot of in-store signage, a lot of communication from us about the farmers that make this amazing food that you're going to be able to buy. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the prepared foods, there'll be a lot of literature on what's in each dish and where it comes from. So yeah. you will know what you're eating and where it came from, which is be really neat. Yeah, it's it's neat. It's new for here especially. And I think people have you mentioned the disconnect. It's almost seems almost purposeful for a lot of people, especially when it comes to meat, when it comes to stuff like that. People are okay knowing where their vegetables come from. 
but people are kind of purposefully disengaged with where their meat's coming from. And it's easy to look away from where, you know, where, it's, where it's grown, how the animals are treated, if it's packaged and pre-done and you never have to think about where it's coming from. It's just a pork chop in a plastic package. Um, and it's, it's, I appreciate when people say that because it's, especially from the meat side, you know, vegetables, it's great. I love to see that too because there's a lot of dedicated farmers with vegetables and, you know, our artisan places like Flower City Pasta, like you mentioned. Um, but it's, I'm hoping to see the, the meat stuff too because that's, for me, it's, I try not to buy anything else but local stuff if I can help it. You know? Yeah, we're spending a lot of time talking to farmers and growers and meat producers and pork producers. And that's, we've done a lot of research and still more to do, but you'll absolutely see, you know, in-store signage and, and again, you know, that kind of education piece about, hey, sure. this is where these things come from, this is how they're raised, this is how the animals are treated, this is what they're fed, and get a real sense again to kind of reconnect to your food, and that's a passion of ours, and we, you know, it's, it's a, one of the biggest messages we also put out there about hearts. Yeah. So, moving on to, I'm kind of a tech nerd a little bit, and it's a weird place to talk about tech in a grocery store, but it's getting more and more technological as time goes on. Do you guys have any interesting you know, technological stuff or exciting other developments you guys are doing that are a little different offbeat that you can talk about at this point? Well, we do. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, we're working on some things. Yeah, so we, obviously, um, our communications director, Andrew Katz, is amazing, and he has, you know, just scratched the surface on what our intentions are as far as being able to communicate directly with our consumers. And uh, I would say stay tuned. There's certainly more, more to come on that front. Sure. Um, and in the meantime, I think we're, we're on it. Our website is um, going to be upgraded to include. Uh, one of the things we notice is people have seen pictures of those amazing T-shirts, and they want to mm -hmm. know how soon they can get them and where can we buy them, uh, even before the store opens. And obviously, you'll be able to get them in the store. But um, we're, we should have... Uh, our shopping cart up and running next week sometime where you'll be, and you'll nice. we'll announce it. Sure. You'll be able to go in and, and order a, uh, a Hearts t-shirt. Um, you can sign up now for your loyalty card, which is always a good idea. We encourage people to do that right away, right on the site. Um, because I think we get, we're getting the impression that grand opening is going to be a little crazy. Yeah, and, uh, I'm kind of getting that feeling too. And we don't want to have you waiting in line to sign up for your loyalty card. So if you want to get a loyalty card and get the rewards that come with it, then we encourage people to go online to our website, sign up for your loyalty card now, and then about about three weeks or so before we open, we'll be mailing them out to everybody. <clears throat> so that way it's going to save you a lot of time when you come to the grand opening. Our grand opening is going to be something special. So stay tuned for, for some more announcements about that too. Coming. Oh, that's very exciting stuff. Um, I'm always interested in, you know, it's been... A lot of positive stuff recently. I'm always interested in hearing some of the challenges that come along because obviously we're developing a whole new store from scratch. What's what are some of the biggest challenges that come up from both of your sides from developing either you know your menus or the style of the store so far? Well, I think on the food side is um, and it's it's not difficult. It's just time consuming. Sure. Is getting out and like Dean mentioned, meeting the growers and the farmers and the 
the guys and gals that are raising the cattle and the hogs and everything and right. taking the time to establish those relationships, which I enjoy and it's great, but it's like there's only so much time in a day to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, especially in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and just kind of, you know, developing, you know, what the prepared foods is going to look like and what, what Rochester wants and needs, um, you know, scaling that down. Yeah. You know, that's... If there's one negative about the, the social media thing is that there's so many opinions and uh, always, you know, <laughs> just trying to scale that down a little bit can get a little challenging. Yeah, but I'm sure it'll all fall into place. Well, that's good. And yeah, sleep, the sleep deprivation is <laughs> definitely yeah. the, one of my biggest. Challenges. Yeah, I, but honestly, I mean, I've wanted to do this for 20 years, and I've always envisioned an opportunity to be able to create a store from scratch and have a clean palette and be able to kind of paint. And it's kind of what I do and it's a fascination of mine and I've been involved in it for a really long time. So for me, it's very, very rewarding. And um, yeah, I could sleep a little more, but at the end of the day, I mean- I think I we all could at this I, point. I can't, I, can't, I can't wait to get out of bed every day. Yeah. And it's just been such an amazing experience so far. And we expect it to just continue and, and we feel like we you know, I've really kind of captured something that the public is really interested in, and I hope to do really well to execute for them so that when they come in May, they're, you know, they're blown away. Their expectations are, are, are met and, and surpassed in a yeah. lot of ways. So that's, that's what keeps us driving. That and good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've kind of been doing the same thing recently. When you really care about what you're doing, one way or another, you know, and I try to do too many things that I like to do. And it, like, it drives the sleep away really quickly. <laughs> yeah, Something's got to give. Yeah. And it's usually sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so recently, I saw you guys engaged with, um, you know, there's been a lot of Rochester movements recently about walkable city, about public transportation, stuff like that. And this seems like a really, this seems like the kind of thing that really engages with people in this neighborhood. Uh, you know, the East End is obviously busy. There's a lot of stuff going on all the time. But there's not a lot of things that people really walk to. You walk to restaurants, but you really couldn't walk to anything before. And this seems like a good step in that direction. We think so. Um, we're um, shopping right now for a really big bike rack. We want people to bike, walk. We want people to come however they come. Um, and certainly are kind of scaling back the immensity and enormity of a big box environment to create a shopping experience where... I hope I see it three or four days a week. So I'm going to have a lot more hand carts and not so many carts that you can fit an elephant in. Because um, <laughs> I want you to come back. And right. I want you to get fresh food three or four times a week. Right. We're going to make it really convenient for people at all levels, whether you're walking, riding your bike. If you're driving, that's fine too. I mean, we have 130 parking spaces in that building. and There's right. plenty of places to park. So yeah, we, you know, we're trying to, to, to cover it all and encouraging people obviously to walk more and, and ride more because we think it's really, really important and to shop more often. I, I like the idea of shopping, you know, three or four times a week just because you're rotating stuff in the fridge and sure. you're fresh fresher things home to work with for sure. It's also a good opportunity to grab some quick meals. Sure. Because it's I mean if there's something like we just mentioned, if there's something people are always lacking is time. Right. One way or another, whether it's your own fault or the sure. fault of how much you're trying to do, there's always always a desire for quick, good food. I know for myself, you know, it's, you end up going to a lot of the same places, sure. you know, and places I love, don't get me wrong, but you end up going to the same places. 
And um, I'm sure that happens for you guys too. Sure. Uh, we'll, so, we'll add to your list. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the things I always like to ask people, actually, first of all, I want to, how long have you guys been in Rochester, both of you guys now? I've been a little over a year. I got here about, uh, yeah. So, that was when you came in when you started working, is basically when you got here? Yeah, I was working, I was doing consulting for Glenn actually a little bit before I got here, but I, okay. I got up here a, a little over a year ago to really started and mm -hmm. really spent the last 14 months or so just full-time with this. Yeah. So, yeah. I grew up um, in Brighton, oh, okay. south side of the city, and uh, after high school, uh, you know, moved around the country a few times here and there and ended up coming back a few times. So I've been back here since uh, I left the cruise ships in 2006. Okay. I've been back about eight years. It seems like the typical journey for Western New York chef kind of people is they'll end up you start here you move away you do a lot of different things and a lot of people end up coming back it seems yeah. like yeah. and especially nowadays because it's i think people are ready to see more of this kind of stuff here more of this like the, the focus on the local the focus on the upgraded comfort that kind of stuff you know yeah rochester's changed a lot in the last 10 15 years um, so what it really sounds like yeah. i mean that's I didn't get here then. I got here in 2001, and that was college. That doesn't really count. Sure. You know, you know <laughs> very I insulated. In the early 90s, when I got out of culinary school and I came back here, there was the kind of staple restaurants. Um, sure. Country clubs. And right. There wasn't much else outside of that as far as, you know, an abundance of independent eateries. And uh, I think towards the end of the 90s and the early 2000s, they started really kind of sprouting up. And Oh, absolutely. Um, so now getting to what I was trying to get to was, you know, you guys have been, you know, you've been here for a year. You've been here for a while. Mm -hmm. What are your guys' favorite places to go, you know, get a chance to eat out, take out? I mean, obviously, if you're working long hours, takeout's going to be a, a staple. Does Andy's house count as a place <laughs> to go? He's an amazing chef. Um, where do we go? I mean, we go to Good Luck. We go to... Yeah, too my wife and I eat at Rocco's if we get out for date nights, which is pretty rare these days. Sure. We were a fan of uh, what they're doing over there. Um, Good fan of Owl House. Yeah. Owl House. So, I mean, those are probably the places we frequent. And, you know, then it's mostly, mostly takeout during the day, right? Yeah, <laughs> lately. Yeah. yeah, I love Sinbad's. Keeps yeah. Keeps time. Mm -hmm. They're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Any takeout spots you guys hit all the time? I mean, we all have guilty pleasures, don't. Oh, I, my girlfriend will order in Yummy Garden. That's kind of her. Oh, that is that is a guilty pleasure right it's, there. Yeah, she's she's a fan of the the tofu, the general style tofu. That's her guilty pleasure. I was gonna say I've, I can do a perfect imitation of them answering the phone, <laughs> but I think I'm gonna pass on that <laughs> for the sake of. Uh, <laughs> For the sake of my reputation, um, but I've, I, I might have gone there in the past occasionally. <laughs> um, well, I think that's about all I was looking for today. I mean, it's um, just to wrap up, it's, it was really nice to see when you guys popped up and the engagement that I saw right away. One of my Twitter buddies and I were bouncing back and forth on root beer and ginger beer ideas, you know, the first day, because it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, two guys that don't drink, you're engaging for 
you know, craft something. You're engaging with different communities. And seeing that right away just, it brought me right in. Obviously, this is in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of thing I'm looking for. But I'm hoping that it's uh, capturing more than just just the food nerd category and it's going to engage with everybody in the same way. Because well, we this is... We, we're counting on a community effort. It's been, a, it's been an overwhelming kind of response and we hope to continue the conversation for the next three or four months until we get open and you know, get more feedback. We're always looking for people to give us ideas about what they want to see in our stores. It's the great thing about being an indie grocer. You can respond to that stuff real quickly and you don't have to delay and you don't have to ask committees of people to talk about it you know if somebody's got something they're really excited about if it tastes good and it works then it's it so awesome that's what you love to hear all right guys uh dean andrew thanks you very much for your time appreciate it and uh best of luck with the next three or four months and uh try to get some sleep guys great thank you and i'm back uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. And stay tuned for more posts on the website and uh, podcasts in the coming weeks. Thanks a lot.